I'm I'm kind of a sensitive guy, and uh, not in like not in like a cute way, but in like a very fragile way. Merry Christmas, friends, and Happy Hanukkah! Welcome to a special Christmas present episode of the Between You and Me podcast, just for you. Yes, yes, I know last week I said that our double episodes with Benjamin William Hastings were a wrap-up. That was not true because I talked to my producer and I was like, can we make this work? Can we get in one more interview in to surprise you guys on Christmas Day? And Josh said yes because Josh is a legend. So today, I should start. Welcome to the Between You and Me podcast, the place where we talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal and change us in the church my name is Jessica Morris. I am an Australian music journalist. It is currently boiling hot in Australia. We've finally hit summer. It was very delayed this year. So, yes, we do celebrate Christmas in the summer. Santa looks the same. We still have Christmas trees. We still sing songs about snow. We just have lots of barbecues. I think that's basically the difference in the fact that right now my aircon is off so you don't hear on the mic and I'm sweltering. But aside from that, I'm feeling very festive and I'm excited to bring you this special episode with none other than Gable Price. This is a special Christmas present for you. It's not a Christmas episode. There will be a Christmas carol at the end. You know I love to do that. But no, this is a special episode with Gable Price, who is, you could say upcoming, but really an established musician from Redding, California. He and his band, Gable Price and Friends, have released their sophomore album, and it is awesome. This is the type of Christian music I love to listen to because it doesn't sound like Christian music, like what you hear on the radio. It's epic. And I have the most fun chat with Gable. Now, if you are like me and you follow Switchfoot on Instagram or on their social media, you may have heard about Gable Price and Friends before because Gable has worked a little bit with Tim and John Foreman. And when they released their latest album, Consequence of Being Alive, that was actually promoted on their social media, which is how I first found out about Gable. And I was like, oh, cool. Sounds good. Then I got an email from his publicist who was like, would you like to interview him? Well, yes. And then I thought I should probably listen to his music. And I'm very glad I did because Gut was right. This is great, great music. Um, Gable is so much fun. We had a chat a couple of weeks ago now and we chatted for over an hour about everything and anything. Now, as you listen to this interview, I promise there is like quality, good, deep content in here. The stuff that you're like, you're here for, the behind the scenes stuff. There's also just the fun and whimsy of two people who grew up in the church, who are still part of the church, but know how weird it was. Um, and in any case, Gable is so much fun. So there is one other way you may have heard of Gable Price, and that is if you were a big Bethel music fan, because in 2021, Gable actually opened up uh, their live album, Homecoming, uh, with the title track, which he co-wrote and sang with Corey Asbury. That is his only track with Bethel. To be clear, this isn't a Bethel record. It's not even a worship record. As far as my understanding is, this isn't even affiliated with Bethel. So he's not the Bethel guy. Just to be clear, he is a guy who's had something to do with Bethel and actually still lives in Redding, California, which, I mean, is basically Bethel Central. The whole small town is being curated around that church. So there's a lot there. Now, in the past, Gable has released primarily... I would say like Christian worship music, and he's become quite well known for that. But in the consequence of being alive, we see him move towards the alternative 
rock rock and roll genre where God is part of his music, but he's also willing to sing about every other topic under the sun. So I think I've talked enough. It's time for you to get through this bowl and unwrap the entire present. Friends, enjoy this episode with Gable Price of Gable Price and Friends. You're about to hear a short bio, the who, what, when, where, why. And then we'll get straight into the interview and you're going to hear some of the great music. By far, this is one of my favourite albums of the year. So friends, meet Gable Price. While Gable Price and Friends are relatively new to the music scene, their reputation precedes itself. Named Christian Music's Best Kept Secret in an article by the American Songwriter magazine and shared by Switchfoot on their social media, this four-piece from Redding, California is something special. Gable Price and Friends is a unique mix of rock and roll, deconstructing church kid, worship leaders and wits. If you can imagine that all in one, that is Gable Price. And they've created their own niche in music, straddling a line between Christian and cool, secular and sacred, much like what you'd think when you hear a switchfoot need to breathe, reliant K or citizens. Now, to understand Gable Price and Friends, the band, you first need to understand Gable. The artist, songwriter and producer grew up in the Midwest and he picked up the electric guitar at age six. He headlined his first music festival at age 11 when he shredded Tell the World by Hillsong United, what a banger, at a family friend's farm as part of his family band Chipotle and Chicken Strips. Tell me you've been a Christian church kid without telling me you've been a church kid. Just seriously. Anyway, this was undoubtedly a hit because Gable has music in his blood and at 13, he became the worship leader assistant to his dad at their home church in Cincinnati. Worship music was Gable's home. And while he has explored country music, CCM and pop, he found himself writing, worshiping and learning in this sphere for most of his teen years. This led him to move to Reading in California in 2017, as we know, the home of Bethel Music and Church, and he actually completed their School of Ministry. During this time, he also met his now wife, Adida. While at school, Gable encountered classmates Adam Elziraz and Daniel Vargas. They ditched the idea of going on their curriculum mission trip and instead decided to record an EP. And after crowdfunding an impressive $1,000, not easy, they recorded the first iteration of Gable Price and Friends that we know today, the Reading EP came out in the fall of 2018 and was an independent release. And realising they were onto a good thing, they added their fourth member, Cameron Pablo, recording a debut album. Titled Fractioned Heart, it came out in 2020 and was an alternative Christian worship record. It received more than 10 million streams. They went on to open for King's Kaleidoscope and our friend John Mark Millen. And remember, all this was during the pandemic and while they were independents. But this is the era when Gable Price and Friends then created, refined and evolved in their sounds. A little bit like Taylor Swift, except in a much shorter time frame and with a much tighter budget. Graduating from school, the band stepped further into the music industry. On a personal note, Gable began co-writing professionally and has written for Christine DeMarco, Martin Smith of Delirious and more. He is also well known for co-writing the track Homecoming released by Bethel Music in 2021 and was actually the title track of the album that year. Gable opened a live album with none other than Corey Asbury. Signing to Capital Music Group, Gable Price and Friends re-released the EP If I'm Being Honest, a candid exploration of what it means to grow up in church, culture, and find out who you are as an adult. Through this, they continue to refine their sound, and now, with the release of their sophomore album, Consequence of Being Alive, they have delivered a witty, candid, and brilliant rock and roll masterpiece, reminding you of the best songs of the noughties but possessing the candour and wisdom of Gen Z. Gable Price is, after all, only 24. I spoke to Gable about being more than just the dude from Bethel, 
his fandom, our mutual fandom for Switchfoot, and what it actually means to struggle because it's aesthetic and pleasing. We also had a great discussion about Christian music. This one is so fun, my friends. Meet Gable Price. Price, welcome to the Between You and Me podcast. Hey, hey. Thank you. Lovely to officially welcome you on. <laughs> yes, yes. We had great conversations before the record button was hit. We did. Thank God for knowing when it's hit. It's great. I know. I, I, I taught about the difference between Sprouts and Whole Foods, um, how Reading now has a Chipotle or a Chick-fil-A. Do you, and do you have a Chipotle? A few good coffee shops. We do. Yeah, we've always had Reading Chipotle is for a Chipotle. It is probably one of the least good ones I've had. Oh, um, okay. And yeah, and that's not necessarily like a hot take. That's like everyone in Reading knows it and the employees know it. So I don't really think they try. <laughs> I love it. Sorry. I, I feel like I need to visit your hometown just to get a sense of this environment. Yeah. Just fly in and yeah. fly out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. It's like. If the person doesn't have like a like a country accent, they've got one from a different language. That's kind of what Reading is. Or from a different uh, country. Yep. And everyone is like, so, Australian, of course. Because mm-hmm. everyone, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, after all that, who is Gable Price in your own words? Oh, wow. Um, I, <laughs> I'm 24. I grew up in the Midwest of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, until I was about 19 moved to Northern California and uh, in my camper, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, I am 24. I make music. I'm married happily. And uh, yeah, I've got this band, Gable Price and Friends, new album out now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would. I, I have a mustache if this is audio. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much. I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing a hat. Yeah, you are. I like, is it a beanie? It's, it's, I would say it's a beanie, yes. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know what else I would call it. But uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a beanie. It's a large one. Um, I did not shower today, full disclosure. And so the Good beanie came on. Good for and you. Yeah, you know, taking back my mornings. Oh, I'm so happy uh, for you. I personally really dislike mornings. So thank you. You just own yeah, that I, space. See, I'm a, I'm a high operating morning person, but I will say like, I've, I've been learning recently. Wow, we're already right into it. Um, uh, <laughs> I've been learning recently that like the first few hours of my morning, I'm, I'm kind of a sensitive guy and uh, not in like, not in like a cute way, but in like a very fragile way. Um, and so like, if I don't have like a good first hour of the day, it's really hard to bounce back. Um, and so if I wake up early, um, and, you know, make coffee and hang out with Adita, my wife. Um, and it's a great morning. Like I'm thriving throughout the day, but if I hit snooze even once, like the first portion of the day until lunchtime, I'm a disaster. Wow. And so today was somewhere in between and it's one forty-five here. So I'm regardless of how the morning went, I can function at this time. You're, and so, you're yeah. surviving. Good work. Yeah. 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 Look at that. <laughs> Good in between. Um, so you you and your band, which we'd love to talk about, obviously, uh, have yes. just released the album Consequences of Being Alive. Now, I know that you have released music in the past. So can you tell me yeah. about this album and why it's so significant to you, like, right, 2022, November, December? What what makes this, right, like, pivotal for you right now? Well, well I mean, the fun thing about 
the band and our music is, I, I really definitely pride myself on writing it exactly where I'm at. And the fun thing is throughout the year that it took me to write this record, there's a lot of different where I'm at. Um, and so for the album to hit the world, it's kind of fun to listen start to finish, even as myself, not as like a listener of the record, um, to just see like the emotional roller coaster that was our thought process during the record. Uh, you know, in the consequence of being alive, it says you live, you love, you lose. And I think there's a little bit of each one on the record. Um, and so it feels really significant to me because it, I feel like we've been going on this journey as a band, especially since the beginning where it was a very, um, church esque record with our first EP. Um, cause that was exactly where I was at. You know, I was in church, I was in school, um, for ministry. And then with graduating, we did fraction heart which was still, it was a lot more rock and roll, a lot more fun to play live. Um, but it's been the slow progression of discovering the music we want to make. And I feel like this is like the all-encompassed, let's do whatever we want record. Um, which is fun because usually when it's the first record of someone signed to a major label, it's like, let's do what they want or like, let's do this. But, you know, it, it has some parameters. The nice thing with Capital, um, when we signed, is we we're like, hey, can we, any any guidelines? And they're like, yep, do some damage. And I'm like, all right, uh, <laughs> say, more, say, say less, you know, I got this. Uh, and so we just kind of went for it. We wrote 32 songs for an 11-song record and uh, narrowed it down, picked the best ones. And so that's why it feels special to me. I always wrote... Uh, Fraction Heart was 10 songs. I wrote nine and wrote the last one on the way to the studio. Um, if I'm being honest, I had the idea of the song Regrow for like a year, but hadn't written it until the week of. And so it was really nice to put a bow on a record and say, I, all of these songs are here because they're the best ones on a list of a lot of other good songs. And so... This feels like the first Gable Price and Friends record to me. The other stuff still feels like it, you know, but for some reason this one just feels like, hey, this is us. There's a booth at the bar in the mall cross town A jukebox hard by the hometown crowd In a table in the corner where I sit with my brothers There's a game that we play where you toss a ring And make bets if you catch the hook with a string And I think about the future where the states are what divide each other Where we go, there ain't no exit signs Life is short, but it still takes some time yeah, you live in love and lose And that's the consequence of being alive I had never heard your music before um, And I saw your album cover pop up on Switchfoot's feed Because um, I also, yeah, I also love them And I was like, oh, great, well, clearly you guys must be great Because what a good, it. what a good way to find yeah, us! I love that. Yeah, and so after, and then I got the, the email from a publicist, and I was like, "Yes, thank you." Why not? <laughs> um, and, and then, and then after I said yes, I was like, oh, "I better listen to the music 
because that would be yeah. important, right? Um, and I was listening to your album and it is so good. I just, I, I thank you so it, much. It feels like so, so weird to be like, well, I actually, it feels like one of my favorites of the year. I still have to, no like, way. Yeah, thank I, you I still so have much. to fully, like, sit in it and dwell in it. But, like, even from what I've heard, it's all the best parts of, like, it sounds like now. And it sounds like the you I'm getting to know, but it also reminds me of like all my favorite parts of Christian slash rock music in the thousands. Yeah. Um, in the yeah. best way. And like I was hearing a bit of Reliant no, K and Switchfoot. No, like with your own unique sound, but just elements. That rem- oh, yeah. It reminded me of the familiarity of that and how much I love like live music and how fun this album would uh. be live. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is fun live. We just did it, and it for the yes. first time, and it was really cool. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah, Switchfoot and Reliant K, they were my favorite bands growing up. I can and, tell. Um, <laughs> I made a, a TikTok. I'm not very good at making TikToks, but I've been trying uh, of one basically being like um, talking about how early in my music listening days, you could turn on Christian radio and there'd be like a Switchfoot or Reliant K, and it would be like, this is sick. Like, this is awesome. And then just one day it changed, you know? It got really like stomp clap, you know, nothing bad about it. But like uh, it changed from like, hey, this is the type of music I want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it still elicits emotion and stuff like that, but it's it was different. Um, and so it feels really good to hear someone put us in that category because those, that's the music that was really special to me growing up. No, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the album, really enjoying how you've put it together. Um, I can and I can tell that you have curated it from a whole bunch of really good songs because I haven't found a weak song listening to it yet. Oh, thank um, you. All I have to say, thank you for releasing this and taking a chance on this. Thank you for listening. Um, I oh, there's so much I want to ask about this album, but one, one of the Go first for it. Yeah, things. Yeah, I got all the time in the world. <laughs> one of the first things was I we've talked a little bit about it already, but when I was listening to the consequences of being alive, it did strike me that. Your your sound, the content of what you're making is nearly crossing a grey area between what I would say mm-hmm. secular and Christian music because we're sort of yeah. bizarrely divided them and sometimes it's safer to do so. Um, like you, your songs are about God but they're also about love and everyday life and, you know, the entire human experience, um, yeah. which, which is slightly, slightly different to your earlier releases, which were – more predominantly Christian, if if that makes sense. Um, was this an intentional move on your part to like create music that was this in this intersection, or is this an organic result of just where you and your friends are at in twenty twenty two? You know, it's a good question, and I, I think like um, with us starting as a predominantly Christian band, um, I mean, all the guys in the band are you know believers and stuff like that, um, but with the musical content being very, very um, more even geared towards church than just a Christian listener. Um, the, and us changing that over the years, I just, I kind of just sing about what um, is important to me and what feels really important that day. And so I think it's not as much of a, we are a Christian band or we are a rock band that is not a Christian band. I feel like it's just kind of like, writing songs about what I care about. And some days that, I mean, I always kind of care about my uh, religious beliefs and stuff like that, but some days it feels really significant to the day to day. And I'm thinking about it a lot more. And those are the times that those songs are written. 
and so I feel like it just, it's kind of like Switchfoot always says, um, or John says like, what does he, what did he say? He's said like, if you buy a cup of coffee, is it a Christian cup of coffee? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, there is music specifically designed for church. And then there's just like, then the line of what is Christian music feels really blurred. And it says, is it music made by a Christian? Is it music that doesn't cuss? Is it, um, you know, it's all those things. So it, it, the, for us, we were just writing, uh, I was writing love songs some days and I felt like even when the, um, spiritual side of things brought in, I felt like I was still writing love songs. And so um, I would call it a love song record. I call it a life record. And uh, a lot of times life feels like feels like love. And so that, uh, so I don't know if it was intentional, but uh, it happened nonetheless. And I really, it feels like a fun, fun line to kind of teeter, you know, where it's like, you know, it, it never leaves you guessing what I believe, but it like, still has, has, has a little bit of a drink for everyone, you know? There's something that you should know I thought I'd never stray But I snuck out the window And fell down your fire escape These seasons come and go but I miss those early days You would keep me like a secret And hold me like I shared your name Hold me steady It's been a long year You're still my beginning The clouds when the sky clear Take it easy on me Keep me near I need something to hold on to So Jesus Christ will you Hold me steady Hey, are you a creator? Do you like creating fancy slideshows for church? Or maybe you're a videographer, a podcaster like me. Maybe you just love creating things and you need amazing stock music or videos to fill the needs. That is where Soundstripe comes in. The team at Soundstripe are world-class musicians who have hired world-class musicians to create stock music without all the loopholes of licensing. Simply subscribe and you can select what track you want and license it as many times as you want. It's a great way to support artists and create world-class content. We love our friends at Soundstripe. We have been partnered with them since the first episode of Between You and Me, and we are so grateful for their support. If you would like to use their content or check them out, go right now to soundstripe.com and use the code UMEPOD at checkout for 10% off. That is the code UMEPOD at the checkout, and you will get 10% off. You're welcome. 
Hey, it's me again. Big surprise, I know. But you know what I love? Nearly equally as much as good music. I love a good band tea. And I love a good nostalgic band tea, which is why I'm a big fan of the Between You and Me web store. If you head there right now, you will actually find that we have throwbacks to some of the most iconic Christian musicians and plenty of ammunition for the next catch up with the friends you survived Christian college with or who also survived being a PK with. Go check out our t-shirts, our hoodies, our masks, and even our phone covers or notebooks. We would love you to take home a piece of Between You and Me. And remember wherever you go that you belong here, that you are a part of a family of misfits and worshippers and questioners and people who apparently like nostalgia. Go and check it out now at our website, betweenyouandmepod.com and hit the shop button. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my cousin Dominic, uh, he he was like was listening to Reliant K and there's a crayons can melt or crayons can melt on us for all I care song. That's just the, I just wasted 10 seconds of your life. He came to me. He's like, bro, I'm so worried. Like, is this a Christian song or not? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, it's 10 seconds. And, and, I, and I had to explain to him. I'm like, well, Sorry. you know, it's Christians in a band. They don't have to say God in every song. He's like, Oh, okay. okay. Uh, but I thought it was, I just think it's a little funny tidbit to throw in there. Uh, <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh gosh, yes. You you're quite introspective in your lyrics. Um, oh and yeah, I love the struggle. Literally called struggle in all caps. <laughs> uh, and and I saw that and I was like, wow, this is great. Um, and you talk a bit about you know just yeah in my just words like struggling it, yeah. for struggle's sake in a sense, but. Can, <laughs> Yeah, can, can you tell me a bit more about that song? But also, like, where is the line between struggling for the sake and just of being struggling a and living in that <laughs> melancholy? Yeah. How do you get to the point of being like, well, I have to struggle, but yeah. I'm doing this in pursuit of being healthy or whole or to make my relationship better? That's a great like, question. How do you so, navigate that? It's, it's funny because um, the whole concept of the song first came to me when um, – so I, I, I intentionally lived in a van, um, moving out to Reading. I was like, I want to, it was a 77. It broke down all the time. And I think that the adrenaline rush of that kind of started something in me. Um, prior to that, I had bought a car that had just been wrecked, um, because it was cheap. I needed a car to move out to Reading and, um, it was like a thousand bucks for 2008, which was a really good deal back then. And so I, I bought that and the car didn't have AC. The van didn't have AC. Redding gets like 115 degrees sometimes. Oh. Um, and so I had that and I knew for that time, I was like, I'm doing this for a purpose. I'm struggling for a purpose. I know I need to be in school. I don't want a car payment. You know, I grew up on Dave Ramsey. And so like I uh, was uh, very smart with my car payments. But then when me and Adita wanted to start looking for a house, she was like, so what's your credit score? I'm like, how do I find that out? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's and so we had to look up like what credit card can you get when you have no credit at all? And so I'm still on that one. Uh, but uh, basically I went through my three years of school and at the beginning of the third year, I'd gotten a pretty good sales job, but I would wake up from like four forty-five and work till 10 uh, before and so I was exhausted every day, but it felt like it was for a purpose. So I was struggling for a purpose. Um, but then I graduated school and it was during pandemic. Um, but I had gotten promoted at that job 
and was working full time. So my whole life, I had really only worked part time because I was in school, stuff like that. But I got promoted, was getting paid more for a 21 year old. I felt like I was crushing it. I would always have the money in my account and stuff like that. And then I blew a flat tire and I replaced it with a used tire. Um, blew another flat tire, replaced it with a used tire, like buying the cheap tires. And then I'm driving around drenched in sweat because my car doesn't have air conditioning. It's 110 degrees. And I one day I was just in the garage. <laughs> Here's another one. I was working in my friend's garage on a computer that didn't have AC in the 110 degree Reading summer. And, um, and I, I look in my bank account because I was doing well for the first time in my life. And I'm like, the thing is, is I can afford tires. I can afford to fix AC. I can afford to probably get an office space. But for some reason, this feels really fun. Um, and it, it feels aesthetic. Um, and so, uh, That's a great word for it. And so, like, I think a lot. There's an NBA player named Devin Booker. He uh, he showed up to the to their game a couple weeks ago in a '98 Impala um, car, and I'm like, that's that's the the aesthetic side of struggling you know, the vintage, the vintage clothes. But there is the thing of like, I remember I, I blew a flat tire, posted in my Instagram story, like blew another flat today kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Still don't have AC in my car, but our record's doing well kind of thing. And I realized I was like, I think I love this. Like, I think the struggle is kind of a part of me. Um, and I, and like, I was like, I love living in a van and I love, having a car that breaks down sometimes it sounds so stupid, but it, it was just like a realization that I had where I was like, I think I love this. And I think a lot of people are struggling more than they need to um, as well. And so I started writing the song because I mean, how many people are there that, you know, I feel like even like the TikTok and the, I sound so old, the TikTok, <laughs> uh, and like, even like, it's like the Billie Eilish, like aesthetic and stuff like that. And all these other, pop culture people it i think it like creates this and billy eilish is like they still did their next record in their house kind of thing even though they're hauling bags and so like um and so it was like this thing of like it kind of became this thing and so i think a lot of us that's kind of the struggle for me is like i was like ah i can fix my ac i'm not gonna though it's kind of fun it's kind of who i am uh having the crappy car is kind of a part of me at this point and, um, yeah. And so I feel like I was struggling for struggle's sake and it was just kind of like a struggle kind of became sexy in a way. Um, yep. but, uh, it, I think there are a lot of ways like it, it, I touch on it in treason. Um, the song of, is it really heroic to be broken on purpose? Um, that's not necessarily like a, um, diss to people. It's, it's definitely not a diss to people with mental health issues. It is a, more so a kick in the butt to people who are who are like me and love to struggle um, of just this uh hey are you enjoying this like hey is is it fun cash app requesting your friends for you know the lacroix at your house kind of thing is it fun is it fun you know doing that i don't think it is you can you're all right you know and so yeah, I think that's when it kind of gets in the way is when it gets in the way of your relationships. If it's just affecting you, that's one thing. I got a different car because I met Adida 
And when her parents would come, would come to town, I didn't want to pick them up in a, you know, in a beat up Toyota Avalon with no AC. Like, uh, and so, yeah. I am one bad review from a breakdown in a couple bad days from leaving this town. There's nothing left to fuss about. There's nothing much that brings me down. And whether I've lost my luck or I'm too worked up, I feel stuck and sick and tired of driving. Cars with no gasoline. I live with mental health stuff and I wasn't yeah. offended by that in the slightest. I was like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about was your relationship with the church yeah. in a general sense, um, knowing that that this record looks and sounds a bit different yeah. to your previous work. Um, and obviously you've grown and changed in the past four years like we all have. Yeah. So um, I wanted to know, like, how has your relationship with the Capital C Church been challenged in the last, I would say, like four years knowing that we've had a pandemic, there's a huge amount of polarisation now politically in the church, when you go across the country, and, and it, as you would see when you go on tour, people are all over the place. So where do you, where do you sit with that, knowing that you were, in my perspective, really quite enmeshed in the church mm-hmm. uh, when, like, before all this started? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I feel like the, so from a societal standpoint, I feel like going to church was a little bit more appealing in 2017 than it is in 2022. Not for me. I feel like in general. Um, and so like, uh, it, it, so there's that side of things. And I think a lot of that was caused based on, and this is not my stance on anything, but how a lot of the church and people and Christ followers operated during the election season and operated during the pandemic um, of like, um, there was a lot of cruelness disguised as bravery. Um, I'll say um, of you. It's like, I think you're just kind of being a jerk and you're kind of calling it bravery. And so I think it, it, it a lot of people polarize themselves. I think, um, yes, a lot, and I I know there is persecution, but I feel like a lot of the persecution was that loving to struggle. It feeling like this sexy feeling to be like, ooh, people don't like me for this. Or very disguised, a very morphed view of the, um, you will be pers- persecuted for my sake. It's like, I don't really think you're persecuted for that. I think you're just persecuted because you're kind of a stinker. You know? Uh, <laughs> and um, so I think... That really was hard for me. Um, and especially because I, um, my dad was a worship pastor. Um, he still leads worship, but he's not on staff with a church. Um, and so I have always really followed in his footsteps. 
Um, but a lot of my friends I grew up with, um, because of the way that the church operated and the way that um, Christians operate a lot, it very turned off to the capital C church. And so for me, it was really hard because I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of getting lumped in with the decisions of a couple people. Um, and it was tough. And I mean, that that's like a very, like, it's not a victim-y thing for me to say. I hope not. It doesn't sound like that. But um, so for me, that was a really big blow. Um, and I think just, I, I didn't, I don't think our music changed because of that. I actually know it didn't. It changed well before that um, just because it was a different focus. I was like, Hey, if I want to write, you know, music for a place of worship, I will write it in partnership with a place of worship. Um, But in terms of this band, we kind of got lightning in a bottle with these guys. Let's make something we want. We really, really want to make. And um, so that became, you know, just started us dreaming. And that was kind of the, that was the reason why I feel like our music changed versus the capital C churches stance on everything um that not everything i disagree with it was just kind of people acting like jerks um and so uh in terms of where i'm at with things um this has been a great six months for me um in terms of just rediscovering like oh i i love going to a church on sunday and I love going out to eat afterwards. And I love taking a nap afterwards and all that yes, stuff of just Sunday naps. Yeah, Sunday naps, yes. crush. Um, but it was just this big realization of like, I don't want to raise kids with me being really indifferent towards the Capital C Church. Cause that's how I felt for the last few years. Is like I go, I I participate, um, but there's a lot of knocks I I had on it, you know, and I, there are still things that I would change if I could. Um, but also like this thing of like, you know, humans at the end of the day are humans and it's humans that are running it. It's not (laughs) the God of the universe isn't running cross point community church and mobile Alabama, you know, like, uh, it's, 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 it is humans. And, you know, I believe there is probably some divine guidance in there. I'd hope so. Um, but, uh, just accepting like this is a place run by humans and I'm a human too. And everyone's stepped in some stuff. And so I think it's been a great six months in that way. I feel a lot of connection to it. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's changed necessarily our music. I think it's just, I realized, you know, the music I like listening to when I open Apple music or I open Spotify or open YouTube is not that. And I want to make what I want to listen to. And so that was a big thing. Throw out my premonitions. That noise is wasted time. Blame the human condition. We're trained to idolize. Hide your childish vision, for it will be vandalized. The fruits and flowers glisten under expensive lights. Forfeit pie, lips, sneak a kiss, shake your hips, frost your tips, middle kiss.
in terms of like the, and there's, uh, there's the reality of my whole life. I wanted to be employed by a place of worship, a tax deductible place of worship, you know? Um, and, uh, cause I don't say a church cause I feel like church is a lot of things, you know? Um, but, uh, I, I think there was a big change where I'm like, Oh, I actually want to make music and write music. And so the dream of my employment changed. And so that was kind of a, Oh, I wanted to, I loved this because I was training myself in it and training myself to get ready. And that was, that's weird to think about in retrospect. But so, I mean, this is probably the first six months or less that I've been like, I will gain nothing from this except for a sense of community and spiritual fulfillment. There will be no financial gain or um, I also don't feel a ton of purpose being involved from a leadership standpoint. And so uh, it's been, yeah, it feels really cool and it feels really nice to step into it as a attendee for the first time in my entire life. That sounds, it sounds so healthy. Yeah. It 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 feels like it. I hope. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds great. Um, I, I had I wanted to ask you a question about um, working with Tim and John Foreman. I know you collaborated with them a little bit on the album. Um, you've talked about like growing up with Switchfoot and really loving them. Can you tell me where was the intersection where you encountered them and actually like started working with them like as peers or as people who mentor you as opposed to like people that you used to hear on the radio? Yeah, totally. I mean, and in terms of like, it's it's a funny thing to. Uh, Cause I'm like, what is a mentor? You know, like, I feel like if I have a question, I can always call them, but it, it's not necessarily like an everyday, Hey, how you doing type thing, but they're just kind of like very warm people. And so like, I feel like I can ask them things at any time, but, uh, in terms of how much they think of me outside of that, I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, totally get you. but, yeah. uh, so I, my first concert was a Switchfoot concert for the O Gravity Tour and uh Copeland opened at a place called the Underground in Cincinnati. I think that I was nine and my older brother walked into the bookstore that was at this venue and bought five score and seven years ago, the Reliant K record. Oh and, uh, nice. So really cool, really cool thing. And I I printed a photo of Switchfoot that I got off of Google for them to sign. I didn't see them, so I had Copeland sign it. And so I yeah, have I have a Copeland signed Switchfoot photo um, somewhere <laughs> yes. in my parents' house, or I think I gave it to a friend um, who was a big Copeland fan. Um, but I always loved Switchfoot, and you know their songs were really, really important um, when I was young. Meant to Live and Dare You to Move were really important, and then I think in my first year in California, which I was nineteen, um, the song "If the House Burns Down Tonight." was really special as well as the song vice versus. And so I feel like in every, in the majority of the seasons of my life, there has been a Switchfoot song that's been really important to me. And so, um, they came to Reading in 2019. Uh, they were on their like shipwrecked tour. I don't know what it was called. Like the fantastic traveling music show is what it was called. And, um, I saw that they were at, um, a family's house in Reading that I know. And so I texted my buddy who was there. I was like, dude, you're with Switchfoot. They're like my favorite band of all time. Um, and he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, we got to hang out later. Like they won't be there. Blah, blah, blah. So, so he and I are riding the bird scooters right as they kind of came out of the, like 
they just delivered them to Reading that day, I think, or like that week. So we're riding him around and he's like, hey, let's go to the Civic Center in Reading. And we go to the box office. He's like, he's like, let's go to the box office. And he's like, hey, I talked to Switchfoot and they gave you a front row seat. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And so I, I have this photo and I'm going to try to find it really quick. I don't want to take too long because I also know that this is audio. Um, <laughs> but um, at the concert, it was like the closest to john foreman i had ever been and it was kind of a surreal experience because the dude keeps getting older and he keeps getting better like it's crazy yeah um like of how good of a performer he is and how well he can keep people um locked in but i'm up there and uh he reaches out into the crowd and grabs my hand and he, here's the if you can see it um Oh, so good. There's, that was you. Yeah, it's me and John Foreman. And so I have, I have that photo. It was so cool. Um, but uh, that was like a really special moment where I was like, this dude is probably my hero. It's like I kind of decided it then, which is funny to decide like at that age. Because like up until then, it was mostly like LeBron and uh, <laughs> other athletes, LeBron and Peyton Manning. Um, but then it was just like, this dude is my musical hero, aside from my dad. And... Um, so when we signed, or I don't even think we were signed to Capital yet, they just asked, hey, who do you want to work with? And I was like, I want to work with John Foreman. And so um, it took a while, but then they reached out and they were like, hey, um, John and Tim want to write and produce a couple songs for you. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. And so I went out to San Diego. It was funny because I, I hope that they hear this because it's funny. I'm actually seeing them next week in Reading. Uh, and so I'll, I'll show them this part. Um, but... Uh, I kept sending them voice messages in our group text because like, <laughs> they were like, uh, hey, we um, like group text me. Hey, this is John and Tim Foreman. We're super stoked to write songs with you. Um, send us ideas if you have any. And so I just start sending voice messages back, not because I typically text in voice messages, but because I was starstruck and knew I would be starstruck. I wanted to hear with their voices, them say my name before we got there. Uh, <laughs> I'd be the same. Yeah. Before we got there, I wanted to hear my childhood hero say, Hey Gable. And I would just be like, okay, we got that over with. <laughs> and uh, they didn't, they never voice texted back. And once we got there, I still have, you know, the trick is when you, as soon as you see the person, you're like, Hey, I've just got to tell you, this is really crazy. And I just want to get that out of the way so I can act like a normal person, but this is fun. Um, and so did that right as we got there and we start writing music, but we just hit it off. We talked like half the time. A lot of the songs we wrote, we wrote four, two are on the record, lucky number 17 and how it sets you free. Um, we were talking about my favorite TV show, Ted Lasso and, uh, the line in it with Dr. Sharon, where she says the truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. Um, and I loved that. I, and so I, I was talking about that with them. They're like, let's write that. And so that's how we, we started How It Set You Free, or How It Sets You Free. And then we wrote a song called Earn Your Scars. Um, and then we wrote a song called Technically Indiana, which is uh, because I told them, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm, they're like, so you're from Cincinnati. I'm like, yeah, well, technically Indiana. Because like where I grew up is like, <laughs> we lived in Indiana, but to the left, five minutes is Ohio and to the right is Kentucky. Um, and so I felt like I was right in the middle of that. And so they're like, that's hilarious. Let's write a song called Technically Indiana. And that's how they wrote songs. I don't know if that's how they normally do it. But with me, they were like, that's cool. Let's write that. And we just would. Um, 
And so we had that time. Uh, we demoed the songs, super fun. I left, but we kind of kept up through texting. I'm just like, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How's the album going? Going great. Hey, here's what I'm thinking for these songs. Stuff like that. And then we went back out there in maybe June and recorded the songs officially. Me and all the boys and got them tracked. And I feel like that was when it kind of became less of like, and I'm sure a little bit, it's still like a, a kid who looks up to you that you're being nice to, but that was kind of when it felt like, Hey, I'm visiting friends kind of thing. Um, and I am excited, like, and I don't feel uncomfortable or starstruck being here. I just feel really stoked. Um, and so that was kind of the progression from, of that relationship since then, like with having John feature on the song, um, I've had it like just we'll just we'll reach out. Hey, can I call? I've never headlined a show in my life, and I want to know how you guys think differently about a headlining show than an opening show, and just stuff like that. More so like questions here and there, um, and they're always so kind to answer. Um, John and Tim both, and so um, it's been a really special like thing to get to become, and, and definitely still in a. Um, like older friend to a younger friend, like standpoint, but become friends with one of your heroes. It's really cool. Um, or with a couple of your heroes, you know? And so that's kind of the progression and the timetable of, um, me being a, you know, nine year old at the O gravity tour to John singing on our song. Yes, this is fun. Uh, so it plays into the Lucky 17 song. Um, but I met my wife in school. Um, we were in the same class, like the same year of school. There's three years out here. First year, second year, third year, third year is an internship um, uh, with a different mentor or something like that. And so we were in like the same assigned group of our second year of school, which is like 60 people you meet every week. And you all just have discussions and stuff like that. But I, th- I, mean, I thought she was beautiful when I met her. But I also thought that she was a little snooty. And she thought that I was a little cocky. And so um, we kind of always butt heads um, then. And now we don't. We're great. We never fight. Um, and so like, uh, but we, we were in school. And um, I would say something during our discussion. And she would immediately disagree with it. 
uh, in front of everyone and always let me know. But she would respond by saying the exact same thing I said. And so I would bite back and be like, you just said the same thing I said, but you're prettier. Um, And so like, uh, it was, it was always a fun, like we had like this fun, like rivalry friendship. Um, but, and then, you know, our third year came around and I was interning for someone in the second year of school. So I was kind of like a mentor to the second year students. And she was interning in classic Adida fashion for the person who runs everything. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so it just so happened that the table that I was at every day uh, for my internship was right as you walk in the door. And so every time she walked in the door, we would talk. Um, and we really became, I, I'd say, friends, close friends at the most. Um, but like, not like we hang out outside of here, friends. Um, so throughout the school year, friends joke, flirt a little bit, rinse, repeat. Um, and uh, then January came around of school and I had, okay, so little context in like December, one of our friends had made a joke that we should date and she was like, I was like, I heard that you've been talking to this person about that. And she's like, well, is that something you're interested in? And I was like, ah, oh, no, I've got a lot to like work through right now. Ton going on in my head. I didn't know that was her way of saying that she was interested. Um, and so oh, I know, buddy. I know, I know <laughs> it was silly. Um, but in January, I decided that I liked her and I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to try to ask her on a date. And so I did everything right. I talked to her mentor because um, and I was like, hey, I would love to ask Adita on, the, on a date. Um, I feel like asking her dad to take her on a date is a little overkill. Um, you know, we can talk about other things, but like, do I have your permission? And he's like, dude, you're a little late. I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, there's this guy, whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like, I, I was like, is she in a relationship? And he's like, no. I'm like, cool, we're good then. Um, and so I basically, but basically hearing that she was interested in other people and talking to other people infuriated me. And so uh, I asked her out that day and she said no, because she was like, hey, you definitely had a chance in December, which now in retrospect, I agree, I did. And I missed it. And so, uh, but at the time, as a very cocky 21-year-old, I um, was like, okay, whatever, you know, called her on the way home. And I'm like, hey, because we were friends. We we're great friends. And I really appreciated her and stuff like that. But I like called her. She didn't answer, of course, because I just asked her out and she just said no. Um, and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry about that. And then finally in my... Now, I mean, I'm so glad I did it. But then I'm like, I can't believe I did it. I was like, actually, you know what? I'm really not sorry. Like, you you know, I, I like you. I think you're great. And so tell me if you start dating someone or if you get uncomfortable by this, because I do appreciate your friendship and I am a, and I will honor you in that way. But I'm going to ask you out every time I see you. And, um, and I hope you say yes. And so, um, I asked her out the next time I saw her, she said, no, I asked her out the next time I saw her, she said, no, even at one point I like made her her favorite meal and brought it to her at school. And was like, hey, you should go on a date with me. And she's like, no. I'm like, okay. Um, and uh, and so eventually she's like, hey, uh, you know, I, I just want to be friends. Please stop. And I'm like, cool. And then uh, July, we didn't, we weren't friends for a long time. Like just didn't really talk much. It was painful. I, I really liked her. And I was well aware that I missed my shot. And so 
come July, my manager was, was, uh, friends with her and her friends. And so I started coming around them more and, um, she and I started doing the friendship flirt thing again. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to try again. Ask her out. No. Okay. Uh, asked her out again. No. Um, and then eventually she said yes. And it was the 17th time I asked her out. And, uh, yeah. And so, um, I wrote lucky 17 about that. Um, and she actually walked down the aisle to lucky number 17, an acoustic version. Um, because it's, it's a really, yeah, it's it's a really fun story. And I'm, I'm well aware. Like I used to tell a story like, yeah, I just, she said, no, she just kept saying no. And then she said, yes, I'm well aware that I kind of blew it. And she was pretty graceful to eventually say yes. Um, and so I'm really glad she did because I'm very happy, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's how we met. It's a long story, but it was, it's fun. One, two, three, four, five, six, seventeen. random quick questions for you um which generally just don't have context i'm just curious about my first one is what is your favorite switchfoot song you yeah. really shared this already uh, there's just different seasons it. of it i i first connected with meant to live and dare you to move um stars was wonderful for me um i think if i had to choose one i would choose gosh vice versus yeah yeah, you got Solid your babies. Choice. I got yeah, my horses. Yeah. Every blessing comes with a set of curses. Love that song. I that or if the house burns down tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a solid top yeah. ten. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is the funniest moment that you had on tour that you can no, share? No, no. I mean, I, I, uh, as you can tell, I don't have a ton of a filter, so there's not much I can't share publicly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh see we haven't toured a ton. We um we got our initial burst of steam during COVID. And so um we released our bit you know our first full length and our next EP before we could tour either of them. Um and so wasn't a ton, but um this year we've done two opening tours, one for King's Kaleidoscope, one for John Mark McMillan, and then one headlining run, which was wild to finally headline after all the time of opening. Um, let's see. Okay. Okay. I, this is, this one's fun. Um, so, uh, on our opening tour for John Mark McMillan, we 
had a different front of house guy. His name was Mikey and Mikey's a foodie. He loves food, but he's also an amazing planner. And so he's like, Hey, he's also never stresses. It seemed like, so like most people are like, Hey, let's not get food in between sound check and the show. Cause you might get sick. Okay. Um, but with him, he's like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to be fine. We have a literally a 30 minute set. You can struggle through a 30 minute set, you know, um, tour starts in Dallas and it eventually ends in Seattle. So it's a lot of ground recovering, but in Dallas we decided, okay, what if we are pretty conscientious in terms of spending for food? And then we just really go in, in San Francisco at like a Michelin star restaurant, which I'd never been to. And so he gets a a reservation at this Michelin star Japanese steakhouse, um, in San Francisco. And so we get to the venue in San Francisco. We load everything in. We're like, we're going to do a five-minute sound check, and we're going to have two hours at this restaurant. It's going to be awesome. But two hours before, doors open. Um, And so we're doing great. Um, The console crashes for John Mark's crew um, as soon as they load in. And so they're troubleshooting. And so we push back the reservation half hour, push back another half hour, push back another half hour. It gets to the point where we hop on stage when it's our turn to sound check. Works. Check, check. Works. Okay, everything works. Let's go. Hop in an Uber, get to the restaurant. Uh, doors opened at seven and we got to the restaurant at like seven. Um, and so we play at 8.30. Um, so it's still an hour and a half before we play, but it took so long to get our food. And so we told them, we walked in, hey, we no, 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 no. We were supposed to play at 8.15 that night. And so we told them, hey, we have to leave here at 8.05. It's about 10 minutes from the venue, all that stuff. And um, we, we, we're there. The stuff's taking so long. We get one of our um, appetizers and it's so good. It's like some of the best food I've ever had. Um, and then we're like, hey, remember, we have to leave at this time. Okay, it's that time. The food's not there. And we're like, hey, we're going to box up. They're like, hey, it's so close to being done. Like just hold off. And so we text the tour manager. We're like, hey, we're running late. And he's like, okay, I'll tell the first opener to play an extra song. Okay, um, keep waiting, keep waiting. They add like three songs to the opener. We finally get it at like, so we're supposed to play at 8.15. We get the food at 8.15. Um, and so they were like, hey, you guys go on at 8.25. Okay, and so we eat this Michelin star meal in the course of probably 45 seconds. Like it gets to our table and we're just, we're like, hey, box this up. We'll come get it after the the, the set. And like, okay, we hop in an Uber and we tell him, hey, we play in eight minutes and we're 10 minutes away. Get us there. And he's like, okay, you know, driving like crazy. We're just at this meal. I'm like about to puke because I just ate medium rare steak in 45 seconds. And so um, we get to the venue at the time we're supposed to go on. So we go up on stage. Everyone does everything. Uh, they basically just plug a couple things in. Okay, ready to go. Go on stage. I get up on stage and we're like, hey, we're Gable Price and Friends. And we play the show. And the whole time I'm like holding back puke because I've um, eaten that meal. And I'm like, I would say like two words. And then I would be like, hold on one second. And burp, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so I told the story during the show. And I was like, that's just the consequence of being alive. The song's called Consequence of Being Alive. Um, Yeah. and Well played. uh, Yes. But um, yeah, it it was crazy. It was probably the most... 
it was the most expensive meal I've ever had and the least I've ever gotten to enjoy a meal. And so um, it was it was really funny and it was it was good. And we thanked the tour manager, the opener and the headliner for the grace during it. Um, but it was just a really funny experience of just literally walking in. I don't think that I it takes me a second to adjust. So a lot of times before shows, I need like 10, 15 minutes to myself to just kind of like get in the zone. And so I don't think I fully reassociated until probably the last song of the set of like, Oh, I'm playing a show right now. Like I was up there just doing the thing. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm here. Like it was just this weird, super weird, but that, that that's Bizarre, the craziest yes. tour story we've had. We don't party hard. And so, I mean, I don't, I, I can't speak for everyone, but like, uh, so we don't, we don't go that hard. So we don't have crazy stories like that. But like when it comes to food, we're crazy. <sighs> Just Michelin yeah, style and, restaurants. But like, I like, I mean, I was like telling the story and I hadn't really included, like, we cut back on spending for the whole tour just to be able to afford that one meal. And so I'm like, I'm telling the story during the show and I'm like, these people think that we are the most privileged opener of all time. We've got daddy's <laughs> plastic or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, okay, I'll yeah. go to the Michelin star restaurant, 250 person, like something like that. Um, <coughs> But no, like it was, I was just like, no, we, we ate Taco Bell, you know, the majority of the time, or we, or, you know, we would just get the catering from the, from the headliners when they're done with it, you know, and stuff like that. And so it was funny. I, I thought that was a good story. Yes. No, yeah. it's a great story. I've never heard yeah. anything like that before. And I it felt like we were in a movie. hundred percent. No, we're, we're chilling all. Yeah. Re- yeah. It really did. Yeah. 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 Um, Last mm-hmm. question for you. If you could go back, let's say yeah. four years to 2018, yeah, yeah. I think. I don't know. Uh, what advice would, or what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? You know, I, I don't know because I think that I, I think that there was a certain level of uncertainty that I operated with that really made Gable Price and Friends what it's become. Um, and so like, I wouldn't tell myself like, Hey, you're going to be all right. Like, because then I think there would have been a certain level of contentment, a different drive. um, And just like, I think there was a lot of hunger that we had really early on and still very much have um, that really kind of set us apart from plateauing as the coolest band in Reading, you know, kind of thing, because there's no bands in Reading. And now there's more, which is great. But like, then it was like, oh, we run this town, you know, uh, kind of thing where, but then really easily could have ended that because the best I'd ever been in was in one of the cooler bands in Cincinnati, which was super fun. Um, but like, I didn't realize there was much past it. And so like, if anything, I would probably tell myself like, Hey, be a little hungrier. Um, and then maybe, you know, no, I wouldn't change a single thing. If I look back on it, I like, I, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't change a single thing. I wouldn't tell myself it's all going to be okay. Um, I wouldn't be like, Hey, r- don't write Christian music. Because the thing is, is like every single song we've released was exactly where I was at, at the moment. And is is exactly where I'm at. Um, and so that's, that's the beautiful thing as you know, it's exactly where I was. And I'll never be in that spot again, but not to say that I will never be in a similar place, but I'm never going to write an un- another underdressed. Will I write another song that's similar? 
maybe like I, but like you can't write the same song twice. That's how you write a crappy song is if you try to recreate something. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really happy with how things turned out, um, and are turning out. And so that being said, I would just tell myself, Hey, keep working. That's it. Better's a painful view than a plank filled eye. Keep your hand on your heart when the other's in a beehive. Better's a broken heart than an empty chest. Keep your hand in the heavens when the other's in a hornet's nest. how much I love just chatting with artists and hearing a story and uh, I love when they disarm you just because they're so personable I think the moment that Gable said full disclosure I haven't showered this morning I was like okay so we're clearly hanging out like close friends would at this point like you would at a cafe or something because at this point he's that comfortable that he's like great sweet and uh it was it was so fun Gable has such fun energy um we're both hardcore introverts, so I appreciate that he was, like, really stepping up and really delivering <laughs> with with this interview. Uh, but it was fun. What you didn't hear before we hit record was just, like, an overall brief, like, what's your life like? Who are you? Where are you at? Um, cracking some jokes. You know, just random things like that that you would do with a friend. So I have a gut feeling that if you ever encounter Gable Price and friends on the road, they will treat you exactly the same way, like you've probably known them for 10 years. Um, so that was so fun and such a good one to have, right? Well, for me, like right before like a super, super busy season of Christmas, cause it just made me laugh. Even editing this and producing this one, I was laughing and I literally only did this like a week or two ago. So it's still pretty fresh in my mind, but there you go. Friends. That was Gable Price of Gable Price and Friends. Really rolls off the tongue. Uh, you can go and get their sophomore album, Consequence of Being Alive Now, on all good streaming platforms. Like I mentioned earlier, Consequence of Being Alive is one of my favourite albums of the year. It is so fun. It's nostalgic but current. It's honest. It gives you a kick up the butt, but it's also hilarious um, and profound. I, if you enjoy like alternative rock and roll type music or you're a deconstructing church kid like me, this is a good place to find yourself home. Yeah, so go and enjoy it. You can also connect with Gable Price and Friends on social media. You'll find them at, ready, Gable Price and Friends. You're welcome. There's also They are also online at gableprice.com. You'll find all the music videos from the latest album or the previous releases. Go and follow them. It's a good time. It's just hilarious. It's sort of like... The jokes that you find funny in youth group, but then you age out of youth group. And some of those things aren't funny anymore, but some of them are just stinking hilarious still. But as adults, we're not allowed to laugh anymore because it's not like socially appropriate. Or we think we're meant to be adults. And somehow Gable Price and Friends are balancing this whole like adult thing with the fun and whimsy and weirdness of being a kid still. 
I say that with like the utmost respect. I absolutely love it. It's uh, if it was a character on TV, it would be Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's the closest thing I can think of, and I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. So uh, the utmost compliments, friends. Merry Christmas! I hope you enjoyed this episode. Yes, it's longer, but it was worth it. If we hadn't gone longer, you would have missed the whole the whole story about how Gable met Adita and how she made him work for her love. And oh my gosh, girl, uh, you are my hero. I love that story so much. I cannot believe you said yes to him after 17 times and didn't just like give him the side eye. I think it's incredible. I'm so glad that you guys are together. I love that story so much. Um, as you guys can tell, I, I just really enjoyed this one. I'm going to leave it there. After all that laughter, uh, all that fun, what a great way to actually wrap up 2022. Yes, this is the last episode for the year. I'm not like playing another trick on you or anything like that. This is the last episode for the year. We do have more episodes coming for you next year, but just give us a little chance to have a bit of a breather and we'll get back into it with some great artists, upcoming bands and some ones that you know. Friends, what a year it has been. I got super emotional and talked about that in the last episode. Um, so I don't really need to repeat that too much, I hope. But uh, but I just want to say thanks. Thank you for celebrating Christmas Day with me while listening to this episode. Or maybe it's like in your downtime or like when you've got a full stomach and you're like about to sleep because you're so like it's such a big day. Or maybe you're on a car trip and you're either going up or you're decompressing after big family time. Wherever you are at, however you feel this day, whether it's good or bad or in between, thank you for showing up. Um, congrats on making it through 2022. I'm real proud of us. There's still a lot of questions. There's still a lot of who knows what's, uh, but we did it. We did it together. We had some great soundtrack along the way. Um, and I'm, I'm excited and hopeful. I'll see you in 2023 with new music and new interviews. Here's to hope. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem.